Hey, Marcy. Hey, boo. What's up? Just wanted to remind the listeners that if we get 25 reviews on Apple Podcasts, that's any type of review you guys want, good, bad, beautiful, ugly, your choice, we will be releasing <laughs> our... <laughs> We hope for the best, but accept the mediocre. No, I mean, honestly, like, hopefully y'all ain't talking (laughs) shit. Like, hopefully y'all like the show. But, you know, we do just want to hear from y'all at the end of the day. So, you know, just just be honest with us. Yes, yes, yes. Merciful, but honest. Any case, um, (laughs) if we get to these 25 (laughs) reviews, we will release our episode zero, our Book of Martha episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is basically us sitting in Ago's apartment trying to figure out how to use microphones. But it's beautiful. It's a great episode. It's honest. It's hilarious. Right. Exactly. And honestly, like, it was the literal, the literal first thing we recorded as the Color Pages Book Club. Like, when we were still deciding, like, okay, girl, like, are we trying to do this? Are we trying to start a podcast? Like, what the fuck? And we sat down to do, like, a trial run. This is that episode. So if you want to hear, like, the bare bones, like, before we were Marcy and Akko, we were our, I guess, pre-Color Pages Book Club selves. Um, Yes, it's a great episode. Oh, my God. Did I have a different name? I mean, we, like... I I feel like... I feel I might we might as well have had different names. Like I feel like uh, like I've I feel like Sailor Moon. Like I literally transformed. Like I just like this show. I just like have like evolved. That's true. Um. So yeah. So it's a really good episode. And yeah. Like like Akko mentioned, if we get to twenty five reviews on Apple Podcasts, ratings and reviews, um, then we will be releasing that episode. It's really sick, Nick. So yeah. Leave those things and do yeah. the things, and we'll provide you with some gifts. So yes. Woo. Let's go on to the show. Hi, I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bioliku podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Yes, the Fantastic Fusion is back for another episode of CPBC. And mm-hmm. this week, we will be discussing They Come in All Colors by Malcolm Hansen. Now, for a little background, Malcolm Hansen was born in the Florence Criterion home. He was adopted by two civil rights activists. He grew up in Morocco, Spain, Germany, and various parts of the United States. So look at that, you know. Mm-hmm. Black kids traveling, love it. Yes. Um, he left home as a teenager after two years of education. He earned his BA in philosophy. And he's been working for a few years as a soft in the software industry in California. So he basically is a jack of all trades, which is kind of cool. Like literally, what the fuck? <laughs> like, sis, what? Right. Like- Right. So he actually has he's been living in Central and South America for and Europe for a while. But he returned to the U.S. to complete an MFA in fiction at Columbia University. And he currently lives in New York City. Hey. So wow. that's great. Um, Really excited to read this book. Um, Well, I guess we, we heard about it. We heard about it from Malcolm, actually. And we we're like, hey, if someone wants to tell us about their book and have us read this, that sounds dope as hell. So right. here we are. Yeah. Give me a read, seeing what's up. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, similar to when Corey reached out to us, like when Malcolm was like, "Hey, like, how this book? Y'all, y'all want to like talk about it?" And we were like, "Um, motherfuckers, 
no like are we it, it, we're <laughs> like hoes reaching out like i can't oh my god but so after we did all that we were like oh yeah girl we can totally read your book so here's part all one right. <laughs> um and yes we'll here's be doing, part one you know obviously the usual part two and then we'll probably get the chance to talk to malcolm in the near future as well because ooh, right. girl are their thoughts on the book thoughts i feel like all of our if anyone is surprised, this is like a homespun podcast where me and Marcy basically do everything. So um, <laughs> half the time, our lives are us just being shocked that anything occurs. We're like, people know we exist. <laughs> um, thanks. <laughs> right. Like, I'm just like, oh my God. Like, it's like, um, it's so like yeah. I don't want to be like self-deprecating with the show. Obviously, we put in a lot of work into it and it's something that we're, we're both Oh, very so proud much of. work. But it's just like, yeah, I, I guess it's just like, you know, since we're newer, it's kind of a more niche show. Sometimes I feel like it's still a little like, oh my God, like, wow, like people like want to collaborate and like want us to talk. Yeah, you know, like, it's, it's nice. like, it's like we reach out and it's like, wow, like we actually, there's, there's like a thing happening. Like, we're like, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's like energy. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay, universe. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know that energy it just, feels just keep it coming girl we will I'm gladly dead. take it <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, it feels very kid in a candy shop i think that's what it is right yes. we're just like ooh. we're like ooh, so. like sour patch kids it's like i mean there's like other candy, candy <laughs> shop, but you know whatever um just that one yes. by the way are the orange not the best well the orange were the best until the blue ones came along and then it was like blue ones took it home like wasn't it's blue just, like limited edition like i feel like that wasn't there at the very no, beginning they weren't they were new they were the oh new kids God. on the block on the sour oh. cat kids block and then now they're a regular they, they were a guest appearance and now they're a regular character like they like like she got a contract and she's like a regular on the show right. now it's like oh my god like mama's booked and like i go. get like thank god because honestly <laughs> and it's well because i feel like these usually whenever there's like these weird like like it didn't like mountain dew have a thing where they're like oh like purple mountain dew and the girls were like we don't we actually don't care and it was like oh that's really <laughs> embarrassing um like this... it's wild that like a like a guest appearance like like a cameo became relevant like it's like wow like she really just became right i was like that's wild um well you know harley quinn like, was like made up for batman like the 90s and it was like this whole kind of new concept mm-hmm. like the character and like has basically taken over like people cannot imagine batman without harley quinn now and oh, like wow I she truly just showed up end of the 20th century so yeah so you know you never know was it meant to be like a one-time like villain thing like just like almost like an episode but then like people like yeah i mean i don't think right because there's a lot of like villains you know in batman and the batman lore and some go in and out of fashion but i don't think anyone thought that harley quinn was going to take off to the level that she did Mm. um yeah so but the character is just the story is so appealing Mm -hmm. um this kind of unhealthy love between um this woman and the psychiatrist, this former psychiatrist, right. and the Joker is quite emotionally manipulative. Yeah, which actually kind of reminds me, Marcy. Mm-hmm. I have a question, girl. Come on with that transition, yes, ma'am. Okay, what's up? What's was, up? Oh. That was like that was so smooth. I was like, oh, like butter. Um. Anyway, yes. But what, <laughs> what, what is your? Question? I love it. I've been practicing. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I had a couple of rough ones a few weeks ago, and I was like, let me get it together. But um, <laughs> my question this week is, what's an example of love that you've seen in media or books or in life that makes you? believe in love or makes you and I'm, I'm talking specifically romantic love this time around mm. and you'll see why based on the book but what what's an example in a story that you're like this is what 
when I think about love, I think about this. Oh my God. Mm, I love that question. Okay. I'm like combing through the things. Let's see. <laughs> so I, I guess what comes first to mind is something is actually a book that I read more recently. Um, it's funny because like we, I don't, I don't want to say too much about it, um, but obviously like there will be uh, you know some spoilers in this part. Um, but recently I read a book called A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. So I read this book pretty recently. It was back in like 20, oh girl, when was that? Was it 2018? I think so. And just like literally like a one second ass summary. Basically, it kind of it's sort of like slice of life. It follows like um, these four guys who are like best friends, like basically from college up until like essentially they're like mid 50s. Um, And like a lot of things happen a lot. You know, their lives change dramatically. But basically all of them met in college. Is that us, Marcy? I I low key think it's us. Um, And so (laughs) basically, yeah, so they all met in college and it kind of just like follows their lives, you know, through that time. And I won't go into specifics because I because again spoilers um because like this like unlike when we talked about like Star Wars and how like what what was it like so what what's his name became Darth Darth Vader and it was like oh but girl that was like oh my god from, like, Anakin the there we go it was just like okay girl like we're not putting spoilers on that because bitch what the fuck but like but this was like it's a recent book so I'll try to like keep it um right vague. but basically of the four of them at one point two of the guys enter a relationship with one another like a romantic Aww. relationship with one another and. I love just how, like, well, one, the way it came together was just so organic. Like, they were friends for, like, such a long time. And they obviously loved each other before this, but it was just, like, it was, like, such a seamless transition into this more romantic space. And it was, like, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. like, their relationship read the same. Like, it was, like, they were still, like, the same friends that they were before but it was just like they kind of just shared these like different experiences or like you know they interacted with one another in like these different ways and it was just like such a i liked it because the book didn't necessarily harp on the fact that it was two men like it wasn't like because like before this one of oh girl oh i'm like i'm literally i tell you i'm like tip tapping like just tap dancing around these spoilers i'm like oh girl like how do i I'm spoilers like, spoilers, like i'm literally spoilers. Over these motherfuckers right now okay boom so, <laughs> so i guess one of the guys had had sex with men before but the other one hadn't and so and it was mm. the guy who hadn't that like sort of initiated their relationship like he just realized at one point that he was in love with his friend and he was like i just like he really he, like he talked to like all of his friends about him was like so like i'm like in love with so-and-so and like i kind of want to tell him like how should i even go about this and they were like yeah girl honestly like i feel like you'll be fine because the thing is like people didn't really know where the other guy like where he landed sexually honestly um mm. and so they were just kind of like okay like i say just go for it and he was like, okay. And so he like went for it and it was like really cute. But I, yeah, but like in that whole process, like, you know, when he was talking to his friends about it, like when they first, you know, were in this romantic relationship and they were like, you know, sort of telling their family, their friends and stuff like that. Like it wasn't this thing. Like it wasn't that deep. Like no one was like, oh my God, girl, what? Like, oh my, y'all are all, like, it was like, it, they weren't giving you all that. It's like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Like we're actually right. really happy for both of you. And I was like, see how like. That was so easy. See how easy that was? Like, it was so easy. Like, we could just have not, you know, like, it's like, like, I feel like society could just do better, but whatever. Mm. But at the same time, I mean, and also also at the same time, like, you know, their relationship wasn't perfect, right? Like, it was, you know, there were definitely points of tension throughout it um, for reasons that I don't necessarily need to go into right now. But 
at the end of the day, like the love that they had for each other was just so pure and just so like, I don't know, it, it was very inside out. I, I feel like oftentimes mm. in society, like, you know, romance, especially this whole like, oh, like the one or like love at first sight, like, you know, these like silly heteronormative things that we decide matter. Like there's always like this like idea that like, <laughs> no, we know, decide you, matter. <laughs> it's like you see someone and there's like, you know, attraction and then like because of that attraction, you start talking to them. It's almost like it can feel transactional in some ways. Like it feels kind of like, mm. okay, like this person might have some value. So let me like initiate this situation versus in this situation, it was like, they just loved each other for just like who they were. And like, despite their physical outer appearance, like it was like, that wasn't really the focal point of it. And even like in the scenes where they were, right. Like even in the scenes where they were having sex with each other, like it wasn't, I don't know, like the descriptions weren't like, Oh, and then like, blah, 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 blah. It was just very like, it, it felt like Steven universe. Like it felt like they were just like sharing like, like, it was almost like a dance. Like, there was, like, a sharing of, like, intimacy. Mm. But it was, like, it was very inside out. It's, like, it's hard to, I, I guess, explain what I mean by that. But It was very honest exactly. and vulnerable and intimate and true. Right. And you could just tell they just truly mm. loved each other for who they actually were. And it was just, like, and even in the context, in the conflicts that arose in their relationship, like, it all came from, like, a place of love. Like, and mm. I don't know. It was just... And then, you know, at certain points, too, they decided to, like, open up their relationship for different reasons. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like the way that they communicated and the way that they, like, navigated all of it was just so beautiful. And, like, it was honestly the first time I, in, like, a, I, certainly in a book that, like, uh, like, the depiction of, like, a romantic relationship, like, made me emotional. Like, I would literally be reading this book, like, weeping, like, in public, like, being on the train, just, like, crying reading this book because it was just so fucking beautiful like multiple times like like it was just like like it was like i don't know what the fuck like i was just like bro like i'm like this book got me so emotional um and even like in movies and stuff like i'm not even one to really get emotional like that with like romantic relationships Mm. so yeah it just it really resonated in a way that other media just hasn't and honestly truly in a lot of ways like after reading that book i was like i like like believe in love again like it was like and like that sounds corny Mm. as fuck but like i was just in a place in my life where i was very I guess, unwilling to sort of, like, I I kind of, like, written off, like, oh, like, you know, whatever, like, this is silly, like, I'm not going to even entertain this, like, in a very kind of, like, anti-vulnerability stance in my life, and after reading it, I was like, wow, Mm. love is just, like, so true and so beautiful, and, like, can, like, literally heal, like, trauma and, like, other things that, like, I just, I don't know, like, I... I really started to see the value in it after reading that book, and it was funny because it's, like, it's fiction, but it was just... It was everything. Um, and honestly, funny enough, mm. so like maybe like a foreshadowing, like it's, it, I actually would love to talk about this book one day on the podcast, not anytime soon, but it's something that like for our, oh, you know, our day one. I can read it. Yeah. Like I would love to like, you know, maybe, you know, like a couple of years from now, like down the line, definitely not soon. I would want to like give it some time. Like I would love to like, yeah, like talk about it because it's, it's, a I feel I, 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 it's, well, I remember when you were reading it cause you were actually coming to visit me. Because I think we were doing something with the podcast, actually. Yeah. And you were very moved. I remember when you showed up at my apartment, you were like, I'm, I've been on this bus reading and I've been crying. And I was like, for good reasons. And you're like, this book has moved me. And I was like, that's good. I thought something happened. <laughs> I'm glad that you were merely moved by literature. Um, right. But yes. So I, I would love to, to, to read it. Although I remember you telling me that it was also like 800 pages long. So Oh, it's long as shit. It's like the longest book I've ever read. Yeah. But it was okay. literally worth are. it. So yeah. So, you know, we'll have to like really plan. Like we'll have to like hella plan. <laughs> but I think we can do it. I do think we can do it. 
Um, you're right. Well, but you've also read it already, right? So, right. So <laughs> really, it's, it's going to be. Really, I could do it. <laughs> it'll be in like twenty, like twenty-five or some shit. Like just like hella down the line. Oh, fair. <laughs> sure, we could do like a special episode. Like I can finish reading it, and we could just do an episode where we talk about it. Ooh. Anyway. Ooh. You're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I like really helped that note. Okay, what about Ooh. you? Oh yes. Okay. Well, I have a couple examples. So I think. I have a real life example. I remember at one time I was with a couple. Mm. I was like 22 at the time. And they were married and they had a kid. And we were at a restaurant and they were like ordering food. And he ordered both of their meals. And then when the food came, he just halved his meal. Like, well, he was like, what do you want? And she just like pointed at something while she like was like feeding this child. And he ordered both of them. And then when the, the food came, he immediately without at, like it was clearly an un an unspoken policy, like cut his in half and cut hers in half and mm-hmm. switched half so that she had half of his and he had half of hers. Wait, that's really And I was cute. like, <laughs> I actually like, I was like, I don't want flowers. I want this. Like, Wait, that's actually someone to just be like, yeah, it, it, it just like, I was like, I want to be that. It just, I don't even, I don't, yeah. Like, it's just, you think about it and you're just like someone who's just like, yeah, I know you want half of my meal. I want half of yours. Like, wouldn't it be great if you had someone to share everything with and 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 just for them to know her to like she didn't have to think about the fact that he was gonna do it he he, he didn't ask like he just mm-hmm. knew and i think that's really not that of course you know asking and things like that are very important but it was clearly like right. they were just so like same page that i really liked it and I, I really thought about that that stuck with me another thing that stuck with me was actually an early youtube way way early when people had, like just started putting their boyfriends on videos and these were boyfriends that they were probably going to actually not boyfriends but like significant others in general mm-hmm. yeah this, this, this the example is is heteronormative though but um that's fine and it's like clearly <laughs> relationship <laughs> we will tolerate it this one right. time but, i'm like um, begrudgingly I'm like that's kidding. okay and like that's fine <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> but um anyway but people are just starting to like do that kind of thing and i remember even though these people were in like a long-term relationship he, she might have actually been married to him but she was like i think she was like giving him a facial or something to like show off these products i don't know some beauty guru who i think probably stopped being a beauty guru at this point but um mm-hmm. and she was like putting stuff on his face and right before she did she goes wait can i put this on your face and he was like oh yeah sure but the idea that even in a committed relationship where you knew and i was a teenager at this time and i think that's why it hit me mm-hmm. the idea of consent in a relationship made it and this was before i think consent had really like taken off as a thing that people really talked about but it was just so normal like mm-hmm. even though we're together it doesn't mean i you're still an autonomous person who i have to respect and love and and so i'm about to do something but i should kind of ask you if you want me to like is this okay you're still right. just because we're together doesn't mean i'm entitled to you mm. i was like uh this is really romantic i feel like i really like small acts that mean a lot um yeah Things that I just, I don't like showy things, but I, I like things that really feel real. Oh, and then I have one more example. Oh my God. I feel like you gave one really good one and I was like, to make up for it, I needed three. <laughs> no, you're like, but, fine. <laughs> but um, my other example is Chance the Rapper um, okay. has two songs that I really made me like, kind of like you're saying, believe in love. I, I, one of them is called Lift Up. He's actually, it's actually a Milo and Otis song, but he is, he raps on it. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. And it was just like, he was like saying all this like normal stuff. He was like, 
I want to like buy your house and make amends when we fight and raise kids together and look at old Kodak photos with you. And mm. I was just like, and he was like, this isn't really a rap song. I just, I'm just in love with you. And I was just like, this is so human and honest. And I feel mm. like a lot of times America sucks out the sort of like humanity of like black culture, black people. Like mm-hmm. there's this one line he says, um, Oh, what does he say? Like, they're reminiscing about old photos and he's like, oh, you should grow your fro back. Like this almost like talking about his parents probably like in the 70s and 80s and like them now and then being like, oh, remember when you had that fro and we were like dancing and like da 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 da. It just, it felt so, Mm. I don't know. It just felt good. And then the other song I love is Sunday Candy. I just, I don't know. Like Sunday Candy makes me like, I just like, I think that kind of reverence, like taking in someone's body like it's holy, like that Mm. metaphor is made in a lot of songs. Although I think it has very deep roots in like blues and jazz. That's sort of like, Mm. because it's like, right, it has that mixture of like church and and music, which, you know, like Ray Charles, Ray Charles, like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's like, he was known for that and then like criticized for that. But then like also it's a thing and that mixture of like church music and like, and love and reverence. It's like Mm -hmm. so... (laughs) I don't know. It it speaks to the and this is why I get so mad when people are like rap music is just like misogynistic and like black music's always misogynistic. And I was like, that's not true. Like this kind mm. of reverence, like ah, yeah, some of it's misogynistic. Actually, a lot of it is misogynistic, but so is all music. I would like to argue a lot Hello. of music written by men is just misogynistic in general. It's Correct a misnomer to think it's just rap music. Thank you very much. Any case, but the song. He just, it just, I guess the theme I'm show um, in all my examples is this sort of like being appreciative of the fact that other people are in your life, like not mm-hmm. taking love for granted. So anyway, that was mine. That's like really beautiful. Like I, like I love all of that. Like it's because I think, I mean, while yes, like it, you know, like the flash mobs and the shenanigans can like seem like, oh, like this person loves you so much. I think it's like those day to day sort of like almost borderline boring interactions that you have, like really speak to like how much you value someone or respect someone. And it's just right. like, like that's not going to make it on anyone's like, you know, like YouTube, I don't know, trending videos or whatever. But it's just like, these are things that like, it's like that shows like a, just a respect for one another and like a, like a lack of consumptiveness that's just so powerful because right. I guess how we're framed to think of love and think of our partners like you know a lot of it is consumptive it's like this weird like we own each other and we consume each other and it's like oh like I don't have to ask you for xyz because we're together it's like no that's we're still people and like we're still on our own paths but it's just like we're just we're linked for this period of time, whether that be for a really short time, for a really long time, forever, I don't know, you know, like, it's just like it, like, we still are ourselves. And so we can, it's like, it's not this idea of like, oh, like, two halves make a whole. It's like, we just have two holes. Like, we just have two whole right. people together and sharing. It's like, it's not, we're not fusing necessarily. We're like alongside one another. We're growing alongside each other versus like, yeah, we like become each other idea. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah. Marcy, you're always so good at making what I say sound way better. Oh, stop. <laughs> this is not true. <laughs> you also are good at making what you say sound good as well. But um, but yes, but I guess we can probably take a break at this point. And when we get back, we'll start our summary of part one of They Come in All Colors.
my friends. Yes. So, I don't know what the fuck that was. Um, hi. Okay, so we're going to jump into our usual summary portion for part one of this episode. Um, yes. So, yeah, so They Come in All Colors is kind of an interesting like storytelling experience, um, just like mm. how the book is written. And yeah, I'll obviously kind of put it in context. So where we start off, um, the book centers a child. Well, I guess when we were first introduced to him, he's a teenager named right. Huey Fairchild, who l- goes to this prep school in New York City. And so the book starts with him at... Um, so the, the prep school is called Claremont. And basically... Huey is like it's like they're like the book starts off with like kind of him talking like basically like showing his relationship with one of his like I get I guess close friends named Zukowski like <laughs> that dynamic is a mess because basically so just real, real quick like info on them so, you know so Huey was like you know relatively new to Claremont Prep like it's said that he like you know started more recently and then Zukowski also started around the same time and so they kind of like bonded over both being new um, mind you this prep school is hella white like you know very much mm. like you know got money and Huey is black it's also 1968 yes and so Huey is black so. Meanwhile, everyone else is pretty much white for the most part. But Huey, I guess, has, like, a lot of, like, passing privilege. Like, he, like, you could look at him and think he was white, but, like, he, he's black. His, his, his dad is white and his mom is black. And so, yeah, so basically the story is kind of like kind of like a coming of age story. So, like, you know, he goes to this prep school. Um, he lives with his mom who works as a maid for this family called like the Blumenthal's or some shit like that. Um, and like his dad doesn't live with them. And I- I'm not sure at this point at this point if it's unclear if it's like, you know, if his dad's like alive. Or- at the very beginning, it's unclear as to why he doesn't yeah. live there. So, yeah, so it's Huey and his mom for the most part. And so, basically, Huey is, you know, like, I guess going through sort of, like, your... Puberty. Run-of-the-mill puberty, heteronormative, like, mess that is, like, I guess, adolescence for a large amount of people. Um, So, basically, like, you know, the book starts off... But also not because he's also... He's... While he's passing, he's still also black in this white prep school and so there, there are tribulations that like come with that but it's they're sudden and sporadic so it's almost like you'll be reading 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 and then something will like and you're like ooh, and then you like keep reading reading, reading and then something else is like ooh, okay um, yeah and even huey seems kind of like shaken when these things happen to him which makes more sense once we like figure out his backstory Right. And and when I say that, like, you know, just he's going through run-of-the-mill things, I, I just mean, like, the daily shenanigans of, like, how he's. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So, There's like, a lot of shenanigans. So, there. for example, like, he and Zukowski, like, you know, they, like, went on, like, a double date to, like, a Mets game. And, like, you know, it was, I guess, during the scene, like, he was, like, making out with some girl named Susie. And she was like, oh, you look like. Some literally act- named Susie. Right. Literally named Susie. Like, just regular as fuck. Like, just, like, the most, like, the least interesting. And at one point, I guess, like, Zukowski lets it out that Huey is black. And then Susan was like, oh, I just kissed a colored. And I'm just like, okay, okay, girl. Like, we, uh, like it's like, yeah. And then he was like, but also painful. But, right. Yeah. And he was like, sad. And I was like, but Susie, 
clearly ain't shit so i don't think we really need to give a fuck about this but whatever and so yeah so it kind of starts off like sort of a lighter beginning you know whatever whatever basically fast forward um at one point huey's mom wins some tickets to see the nutcracker and so she decides to take huey and Tukowski. And so along the way, they're, you know, on the bus, like going to the to the show. And, um, you know, like Zukowski's kind of just, uh, you know, making conversation. Um, and he was just saying, like asking, like, you know, what the transition has been like to New York City. And Huey's mom was like, you know, like it's it's rough. Like, you know, New York is definitely a hard place to live. Like, you know, it's just like being like, you know, I kind of came here, I guess, with some inflated hopes of like what it would be hoping that I could kind of like, you know, sort of make more of a life for myself here. Um, but it has been sort of like an adjustment, you know, even just getting used to like race mm. relations and stuff like that. And Zukowski was like, oh, but like, you know, it was probably better than the South, right? Because Huey and his mom are from this place called Akersburg, Georgia. And so it was like, yeah. you know, this really small rural part of Georgia. And he was like, oh, like, I'm sure it was better than Akersburg, though. Like, I mean, I'm sure that was hella racist. Like, that was probably so racist. And then, like, he was mom was like, I mean, yeah, but like the way racism is set up, it's actually like institutional. It's actually global. So it's like actually everywhere. So like, we like, like just because I'm in New York City doesn't mean I'm somehow like absolved of this experience. Like, I still like carry blackness with me and like that just interacts with space in different ways. But like, it's still there. And then Zukowski right. was like, She didn't oh. say all of that. And then Zukowski was like, <laughs> oh shit, like, did I just get like schooled to like race one one? Like, what the fuck? No, but she, like, I mean, she basically said that, but like, didn't really say that. Anyway, so like, and in that conversation, Zukowski mentioned how like there was like this boy that had gotten. He was like, oh, like, it's probably better than Akersburg because, like, wasn't there, like, a right. boy that, like, got, like, lynched because he, like, swam in a pool or some shit like that? And then, like, Huey's mom kind of went quiet and then Huey sort of went quiet. And then Zukowski was like, oh, girl, I think I, oh, bitch, oh, bitch, I think I said the wrong thing. Um, and so then that kind of, like, mm. launches into the backstory of, like, Huey, his mom, his family, and what happens essentially immediately before they move to New York City. So... Most of the story is this flashback, uh, at least up to this point. Um, just super quickly, I guess the uh, more events that happen in real time. So after they go to the show, there's like a there's like a sequence or like a chapter where like Huey gets in trouble because he like cheated on like a Japanese test. Oh and his yeah. Mom was like, his mom was like, girl, what the fuck? And he was like, oh, girl, I'm sorry. And then there was like another chapter where like it was just kind of going into more detail about like how Huey's mom's adjustment to New York has been like just really rough and how throughout her life, yeah. like, you know, men have just been very consumptive of like her labor and stuff like that. So like that's pretty and like Huey like stole a bike. Like that's pretty mm-hmm. much all that happens. But like most of what we're going to talk about is the flashback because that's what most of the events are. So pivoting to Akersburg. So this is like so if Huey at this point is what probably like 15. This is back when he was he was like eight years old so this is like what like seven years ago yes. so it starts with- i actually think he's only 13 and he's only he's only 13 or 14 oh really i think it's in the in the new part yeah i think it's gotcha, a stretch gotcha. to say he's 15 yeah okay cool yeah so i guess at this point it was what maybe like five years ago that this would have happened in that case assuming that he was 13. yeah um yeah so he lives in acresburg with you know his dad buck his mom um and yeah he's in acresburg and so Huey, at this point, though he's biracial, kind of has this idea that he's white or at least white adjacent. Like he doesn't necessarily, from these early interactions, you can kind of tell he doesn't see himself as a black person just based on how he talks about black people and like how he refers to them. Sort Mm -hmm. of with this very like othering language calling them like, it's like, oh, like the colors did this and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like, okay, like you clearly wouldn't be phrasing it like that if you saw yourself as one of them. But, um, right. Yeah. So although he is sure his mother is. He's just, and then, well, continue. Yeah, like, so, like, his mom is, but it's just, like, you know, I guess, like, his own racial identity is one where it's, like, I mean, his dad at one point even says, yeah. like, you know, I'm white, so, you know, that means you're white, right? And he was, like, 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I guess he he has he feels like he has the option to choose. Um and also he looks I don't even think that. I think he just thinks I think you're right. I think he he would not identify as a black person in the South. Yeah. Like when it, just, earlier in his life. Exactly. So Okay. Yeah, so so that's the setting. And I guess just like some more context on Akersburg. So at this point, you know, it's like a really small rural southern place. And so in, in the year at this point, I guess would have been is it 1968 here or 1968 in present day? I guess it doesn't really matter. It's the 60s. And so it's the civil rights era. Exactly. So basically like Akersburg is a, you know, a place that like, you know, obviously there was a lot of like like slavery existed and like you know it was it, it kind of is like going through this transition of like yeah it's the end of the jim crow era right do you so, mind if i give like a little quick history thing cuz i yeah, feel that's like fine. well we know the history of, of black america but one i guess we could have an international listener somewhere shout outs to you um and also americans don't always know black history so the mm-hmm. jim crow era lasted from the end of the civil war in the mid 18th century until well i guess it's the 19th century right because the century is right one ahead of the actual the 1850s right so from the from the end of the the slavery until 1968 which was like the civil rights era which started like around the 1950s right although if you're really thinking about it you could put the beginning of the civil rights era you could put it in 1940s when black Americans came back from fighting in World War II. You could also put it at the turn of the 20th century with the Renaissance movements. Or you could just really say the civil rights movement started the second the Jim Crow era started with Reconstruction. Mm. It's, you could say whatever. But that's, that's the time period we're talking about that's kind of famous for Malcolm X and Martin Luther King is the 1950s to 1968 when we have up to the assassination. In that time period, you have the assassination of MLK, of Malcolm X, Robert f kennedy and also jfk and then after that with the new president who came in after jfk who i believe <sighs> someone's gonna what's his name l johnson um yeah lb johnson mm-hmm. oh my god lyndon b johnson there we go his middle name was baines if anyone was wondering no one was wondering anyways and then so you <laughs> have the passing of the civil rights act etc um and so during that time uh, literal children teenagers and children were the spearheads and everyone knows MLK, but like children, 15 year old, 13 year olds, 15, 14 year olds, 15 year olds were riding, were riding what they called freedom, freedom rides down through the South. And that comes up in the story. So people, kids from the North, like white and black kids would, what they would do is integrate a bus, which they would sit one black kid, one white kid to each seat and then drive the bus down through the South. And as you know, that was illegal. And Jim, well, I guess you don't know. It was illegal in Jim Crow's South to integrate anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that was one thing. There were sit-ins in which black children, again, teenagers, none of these people were of legal age, would sit in um, white only restaurants at peaceful protesting, not doing anything or saying anything. And in response to children sitting at a soda counter, uh, people would throw sugar on them, pour things on them, intimidate them, uh, kill people. Children were ch- killed. Adults were killed and lynched. People were actually mm-hmm. killed all through the Jim Crow South for doing anything like wanting rights or living or having something that a racist white person wanted. Um, and there was copious amounts of rape, perpetrated against black bodies um particularly black women but most likely i'm sure everyone who was not fortunate enough, was unfortunate enough to be in the purview of someone who wanted to 
and do that sort of behavior was probably also affected. So that's the time frame. So when you talk about the civil rights era, there's a end of sort of the lasting history of slavery. I mean, there's not an end to it, but there is a decisive movement uh, to end the history of not just slavery, but after slavery was in the sharecropping era, which was also basically slavery under a different name in which Black Americans working in the South, basically, after the Reconstruction era ended and the North, I guess, forgot that it did a thing. Um, Black people were then forced again into this like pseudo slavery in which they were paid only enough to basically buy from like the local store that was also owned by a white person and basically could not get themselves economically out of slavery. And that trend actually, when you look at the wealth disparities and redlining and the segregated housing that didn't allow for wealth creation in the black communities, that trend of socioeconomic um, disparity that has left black Americans in a space that leaves them in a lot of second class citizenry along with the mass incarceration of black folks and other discriminatory practices continues to be a history and a reality for many people today. So that's just a little historical context that I wanted to put out there. Back to you, Marcy. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we should have a jingle to transition it to that when we edit this because that was like, like, thank you. That was really, that was really helpful context. Um, It literally didn't even occur. And again, if it, no, keep going. I'm sorry, if any of that was, please, if there's a historian or someone who wants to fact check me and and add something and, you know, please feel free to. It was a short, spontaneous history. So I'm totally open to be corrected and et cetera. Yeah. (laughs) But yes. Okay. Yes. So thank you for that. So copying and pasting what Akko just said before what I'm about to say. That's essentially the context (laughs) that we're walking into right now um, in Akersburg. Akersburg is seeing a lot more... Um, yeah, just like, like these different forms of like, you know, civil rights demonstrations, like, you know, sit-ins, things of that nature. There's a, a growing body of people who are joining this movement. And obviously, like, mm-hmm. like most, you know, beginnings of social movements and really just social movements in general, like th- that transition is rarely graceful. So there's a lot of just tension in the town. And so zooming right. into Hugh and his family. So they live on a farm where they have, I guess they farm peanuts they do they do farm peanuts which i also was like huh (laughs) yeah because like they're talking about like they talk about a lot about like stack poles and stock poles or some shit and i'm like oh uh girl what vegetable (laughs) is this anyway yeah so they they, like have like a peanut farm and so on that farm there's someone that works his name is toby toby is a uh, I guess at this point, like a black man, he's like, what, like 26 um, and like has basically been like working for this family for like decades, like literally since Toby was like mm-hmm. a child, like he was always like working in some capacity on, on this farm, largely with Huey's right. and white father Buck. I believe it's implied that his family also worked for his family, for Buck's family. And so it's implied that this relationship has continued since slavery. So they were enslaved, then sharecroppers, and now he works for Buck. That is a subtlety that I did not catch. Thank you. Um, right. Yeah. So mm-hmm, yeah. So it's a long legacy of of labor on this farm, and so at the beginning, you know, it's kind of just like a lot of passages of like you know Huey, Toby, and Buck working on this farm, and like, I mean, I'm like he was eight, like like he's eight, so like I mean, like, give the girl a break, <laughs> I guess, but like you know, he kind of has this like innocent idea that like oh, you know, like. 
like Toby's like a part of the family. Like he's super happy with us. Like Toby loves us. Like he's mm-hmm. like one of the girls. Like super fun. Like love me some Toby girl. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like doesn't recognize like like the gross like institutional racism part about it. He's just like, oh, Toby's happy. Right. And it's like, oh, uh, which is also like a mentality that was very common during that time it's right. like oh like you want to be like a like someone that works in my house for like not a livable wage it's like you know like i'm <laughs> no actually money. forced it, right you know actually i'm actually just forced into this environment whatever anyway anyway no, i would rather not yeah I just well and this here. is also comp sorry i was just gonna say this is also complicated by the fact that hugh's mom is black and actually i i do think the black community in Ackersburg recognizes her as black and toby and her toby says that there's something like cousins whatever that means so it, it's complicated by the fact that uh, Huey is probably seen moderately as part of the community, even though Buck would probably disagree. And so I think there is like a more familial connection that's not completely based on like, I just have to be here because I think Huey, uh, Huey's mom and Toby do have a real relationship. And so I think that's imputed onto Huey, although Huey, I think, believes he's just white and has that same exact mentality that you're talking about. Right. So... Yes, it's complicated. It's Sorry. there's a lot going on. Okay, so in terms of like, I guess like the concrete like b- first beginnings of what happens in Acresburg. So <laughs> there's a man named Mr. Abrams who like has like essentially I guess like a hotel that's like you know it's segregation. So like it's like a whites only hotel, and there's a pool. And so basically, there was a whole scandal because though Huey was allowed to swim in the pool, like it was largely like black people weren't allowed to be in this pool. And so at one point the pool closes. And so Huey's like devastated because it's like the summer and he's like, Oh my God, I was going to get swim lessons. And like, I need my pool. My pool. And I'm just like, okay, Huey, you're eight. So I'm going to be patient with you, but Oh my God. Um, and so basically like there's like this whole, and like there were whispers in the town that the reason why it closed is that I guess Mr. Abrams, like low key, like real low key, like behind the scenes, like after hours would like let black people swim in the pool for like a, like a small thing. Mm. And I guess like, you know, the ops or somebody found out and they were like, they were like, shut this shit down. Expeditiously, bitch. Like you got us fucked up. We racist in this town. We are not doing the shit. Right. And so that is kind of like, so there's like rumors about like you know what's going on with this whole pool situation so huey like goes on i guess like a quest like this very much like like detector like detective like nonsense to kind of like pikachu figure out, like what's going on <laughs> right like detective, detective pikachu. pikachu that's i was like i was trying like i was like what is the reference i'm looking for right now was it detective conan you might have been trying to do a detective conan reference i was thinking it was detector gadget i think there we go that's who i was thinking oh about. okay yes okay but that's inspector gadget he's not a detective you're right but anyway, did he sorry. also detective stuff? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> he like did he like wear a church coat? <laughs> Whatever. Like, I thought like wasn't that motherfucker? I, I, I feel like he did. Gron even wasn't Penny there too? Who? I, whatever. This isn't important. This is, <laughs> what Penny was like a sidekick. Was a child. Was like the because it was a children's show and they need to have some child character stand in so you feel like you're related to the uh, whatever whatever. <laughs> so then what happened? <laughs> I was like Penny proud like what? Um, but yeah. So basically yeah. So there's this whole like investigation and we started when we start to find out slowly but surely that eventually that like the issue is not necessarily even that of the pool or like because like, there's to say that it was like unsanitized and all this other shit the main thing is that they're like okay mr abrams seems partial to black folks and like is letting them like yeah have basic liberties and like also given the fact that there's a lot of like civil unrest right now in like acresburg like something like that is like really big and so it's kind of like this whole thing of like oh girl we thought she was one of us like 
we don't like them people like don't don't do this so that's kind of i guess the context we're sort of walking into yes so the story kind of escalates from that point buck Huey's father takes him to get ice cream for breakfast. I, I truly was like, this is not a good idea, but okay. Just because you shouldn't eat ice cream for breakfast. I actually wasn't I, even thinking about the ramifications. Yeah. Um, but, and it seems like fine. Like he was super excited. He's like, yeah, ice cream for breakfast, bet, bet. And it's at this bar called S&W, which is segregated. But as they start to eat, in the morning, they uh, like a bus drives up and it's a bunch of, you know, civil rights teens who are trying to integrate the 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 restaurant so they're having a sit-in and while that happens people get really well the white folks get really buck and start freaking out and so then the police roll up and then Huey's freaking out because he's eight and he's here and it's like really scary and he starts to run and his dad can't catch him fast enough and so he Huey either runs into a car or the car hits him even the book is unclear as to what happened and this kind of lack of clarity yeah actually this lack of clarity i think is actually a theme in the story that's supposed to kind of I, I think get at something but anyway so he either gets hit or he runs into the car and he breaks his arm and he loses a tooth and it's really bad like it's really like his dad's freaking out like everyone's freaking out and he takes him to the hospital yeah. and i remember his mom is so upset because she's never gone to snw because she's black and she's like you told me that this place isn't worth anything that you could cook your own burgers and it'd be just as good so why on earth did you put our son in danger to go get this burger that you apparently said wasn't good enough and then it also becomes this fight of like well you know if you ever wanted a burger like i would have just brought you one like it's not a big deal like blah 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 blah. and it's just like yeah it just you start to see the underlying tension of their relationship i'm so sorry so then while that's happening i'm so sorry i'm just gonna quickly interject i just realized something huey talks about in the book so many times how like it's always him and his dad going somewhere him and his dad like going into town doing xyz whatever whatever and he's always like yeah like you know my mom like i'll ask her to come and she'll say like oh like next time like okay girl next time like she always kind of changes the subject and like switches topics and i never made that connection i cannot believe i never made it that is she's black yeah <laughs> she can't oh right, my exactly god. she can't go to town with him wow yeah. oh my god i clearly wasn't exactly and the way now, how the fuck did i skip how did i miss <laughs> that girl that's embarrassing i'm, I'm literally embarrassed <laughs> Well, it's not embarrassing because like that's why it, it's from Huey's perspective and his parents are creating this world in which they are shielding him or hiding the reality of the situation from him. He knows just enough. Like he knows his mom is black, but he that somehow doesn't apply to him. And he knows like he can be in town and these people like him for mm-hmm. some reason, but then also they don't. And it's the story is him slowly over the summer realizing that he as much as his father claims he's white and as much as he claims his wife as much as he even would like it, it, it's he is he is denied that um position in society and not by the black folks it's it's really the white folks who are denying him access whiteness is exclusive right. again slight history lesson not too much but differently than other countries america had a one drop rule system meaning that white to be white was quote-unquote a purity thing you cannot be any percentage black and so it was actually a thing um it's actually funny there were some liable cases in which people were going back and claiming people were black so liable is when you lie about someone and it it, it, um affects their like ability to do business and whatever Mm -hmm. um and so if you obviously live in jim crow south and someone claims that you're black that would actually affect your business because some white folks as you saw from mr abrams might stop patroning your store and so people would bring these liable cases but the thing is it's not liable if it's true and so then mm-hmm. people would go around asking about people's histories and more people than they wanted to admit <laughs> had um 
some history of blackness in there and so someone was eventually was like you guys are gonna stop bringing these cases or you're about to have a real <laughs> a real whole problem yeah. um admit, admit some stuff about yourself that you do not want to admit so that's a little legal history lesson for you anyway so the history of the one drop <laughs> rule meant that if you were one if you had any black lineage um you were considered black um no matter how light you were and this is where passing comes from right so there would be communities of people who were mixed and again this comes from the history of <sighs> rape during the time of slavery and into the Jim Crow era. Um, sorry, we can't, I, we're talking about this stuff, but wait, this cannot be lied about. Like, these are facts. Right. So a lot of people were, um, eh, yeah, so a lot of people were, were mixed or there was just some history of, of having lighter skin and being able to pass, but because people knew you were black, you, you and it was a quote-unquote exclusive thing. So he was known mm. by everyone to be mixed, and so he's, he's not allowed in the society to be white. People, it, there seems to be a clear... Um, <laughs> Except it like um what's it called exception to the rule because i think buck fairchild had has or had a lot of clout in the society he does. but it he begins does. to wear yes he definitely does even though he has a waning economic clout which i think is actually something we should talk about but anyway mm-hmm. but that starts to wane as the social upheaval becomes more and more prominent throughout the summer okay <laughs> click off back to the summary so <laughs> meanwhile toby and buck are becoming increasingly toby if you remember is the man who works for buck but honestly kind of does everything he like fixes the car he actually plants all the peanuts like buck apparently does not know how to do anything he, but like, they're increasingly becoming more angry <laughs> like toby does truly that. everything like they were saying like once there was like a a, a raven problem in the city and uh, toby fixed it like once there was like <laughs> a chocolate coming out of the sky and toby fixed it like literally everything <laughs> like, like, and shit. toby, toby just it. like went in the sky stopped <laughs> and bitches like toby really be do- like he makes the earth rotate bitch like it's crazy right uh-huh. and so toby is like they're arguing arguing and finally it becomes clear that toby's like i'm not doing this with you anymore for a few reasons one he starts to become part of the civil rights movement too buck is not paying him enough to the point that he was mom is like why aren't you paying him more like what are you doing right um and so he's starting to protest and he's but him and the, and the black folks are all like you know they're protesting it's the civil rights movement people they're just, <laughs> they're angry they want their rights it's right. not that hard um anyway so <laughs> he, before he leaves he kind of lets on to huey that his father sort of emotionally manipulated his mother into marrying him which so it's like the way he tells it he's like well first he asked me to do him a favor and like get Huey's mom to like come see him he was like well first apparently he like he just tried like pursuing her and she was like no and then he like threw all this money at her and she was like no and then Huey Huey's mom like apparently I don't know he got her to be in the same area as him and I think there was like some religious like you have to do right by each other whatever but it's there's also a very big age difference between Huey's mom and Huey's dad so when I was reading this I was like this is a very unsafe power dynamic and he also has just a lot of power in this town so anyway so he so Toby like throws this information at Huey and is like your dad's useless and dips and then (laughs) it comes out later that Toby mysteriously falls off a ladder but even Huey's like wasn't Toby the best at climbing ladders that ever existed and he like gives this anecdotal right. story about like him being so good at climbing like he was like truly like he was so good at ladders he could do it in the dark and you're like this is incredibly specific but also right. i guess proof to the fact it, it's supposed to undermine the idea that he could have fallen off a ladder and it's clear that he was murdered for being part of the civil rights movement right. um which is later um uh, like confirmed when Toby runs into his son who he didn't know existed so all the all the Huey black runs, people sorry, Huey, down, when Huey runs into Toby's son Yes, when Huey runs into Toby's son, Evan, who he didn't know existed. So 
all the black families are pissed and Huey's mom is like, they're not going to forget about this. I don't know what y'all are thinking. But at the same time, like in, in Huey's household, like it's almost like that's not happening or at least they're not talking about it to Huey, which to be fair again, Huey is eight. Things in the town are starting to get more and more intense. So Gold, there's a man named Mr. Goldby and he's a black man who works in town. I believe he works, he's a funeral home, maybe? Yes. <laughs> and oh, and they, they say like, <laughs> He, he he was like he was making he was doing really well. He was a black man who was doing really well in town. And white people were like, "See, we're not racist." Mr. Goldby, he works hard and he's got a, a thing in town. And the black people were like, "Mr. Colby, yeah, he's making it. Maybe we can make it too." But then, as tension starts to rise in the city, his his business has been burned down, and it starts to be a trend of a lot of people's businesses burning down. And the KKK is clearly starting to come up in the area. And so there's a point where Buck and Huey go into town, and Buck is says like, no matter what you hear in there, like these people are our friends, like they do care about us, they're our neighbors. But they're getting Buck in there, like saying wild racist stuff, and he tells yeah. Huey to go home. And that's when he runs into Evan and he's like trying to give Evan a dollar because <laughs> he was an, he he's an uh, asshole. He's literally an asshole. <laughs> and he's just very unaware. He's unaware of his privilege and his relation to this world. And it's interesting because he has he has a privilege to do that because of his father, where Evan doesn't, because now his dad is dead and he is so mad that he just starts wiling on Huey. Like is bad. And his friends are like, you cannot do this. Like, he's going to tell his dad and they're going to come. Th- those masked guys are going to, the KKK are going to come to our house again. And right. like, we don't want to be here when that happens. But Evan's like, I do not care. Like, my dad is gone and everyone's going to hear about how I feel about it. And and Huey and Evan are about the same age. So, um... Right. And also, just really quickly, <laughs> Huey's arm is still broken at this point, by the way. So when, <laughs> so when Evan, like, beat the brakes off of Huey, like... Mama was still wearing a cast, so like it didn't really yeah. help in the yeah. So just just putting that yeah in the space. That's a good point. Yeah, Huey's arm. We're like, is it ever? Will it ever be fixed? Like the questions we have them. <laughs> so then, as Huey is going back from this, and his this day was not a good day for Huey. So as he's going back from this, he sees <laughs> a bunch of people crowded around uh, S S N W again, where there's another sit in happening, and then. Okay, we were going to explain Derek, who was like Huey's friend, but it's actually irrelevant. Just know that Derek is his only friend in town, (laughs) and his mom is one of the people yelling at the protesters, and she is wilding. Like, she's really, really yelling. Everyone's saying, like, oh, these people don't have any respect for the law. They're monkeys, orangutan. Boss, we should put a trigger warning at the beginning of this because there's a lot of a lot of stuff that happens in this book. But um, and then Huey's standing there, and she's like, "Oh, I think like she was trying to shield me. Like, obviously, this woman is not trying to shield Huey." And so she grabs him and starts like being like, "Your people are disgusting. I want all of you out of town. You're never allowed to be with my kid again. And like, I don't want to see you anywhere in my house." She's like, "I got a shotgun for you and everybody else." And it's like very clear that his passing privilege is like when because things are liminal, his passing privilege is just like completely deteriorating it so then he's like freaking out because he's eight and he's like i I, i'm part of this community i don't want to be part of that community and so he starts yelling slurs at the people in the restaurant too and so then she uh derek's mom grabs him is like see like i don't even know like uh, something derogatory (laughs) it doesn't want you here she 
it's truly awful. It's like that. It's like that picture you see of that woman yelling at that girl um, who's trying to like in the Little Rock Nine. It was like that level of vitriol that you feel oh when she's God. yelling. And then Huey sees someone who he thinks looks like Toby, and this is how you kind of know that Huey doesn't know what's going on. He's just like the grown ups are doing this, and I'm these are my grown ups. But then he sees someone who looks like Toby, and he's like, guys, we had to help Toby, and he's like, like tugging on Derek's mom, who's just saying all this terrible stuff because he's like, mm-hmm. Toby, we like Toby, don't we all like Toby? Like he doesn't understand this even though he uses a lot of like the derogatory words that he hears from his parents he just doesn't understand like why things are happening and so she's like what the hell are you talking about and so she it's not Toby, obviously so then he was like really upset and he goes home and as he's at home you kind of hear he overhears his parents arguing and um Basically, Huey's mom is kind of like done with this man. She's like, you know, like Toby always Mm -hmm. told me you weren't good enough for me. And he also said like you're terrible at farming. And I was like, dang, (laughs) how are you still terrible at farming? Like (laughs) you've been on this. Like I was like, I understand that your parents were. That's why, right? And I was like, okay, fine. Your parents were slave owners. Okay, so you had a plantation. Fine. You never learned how to farm. You like your great grandparents. And then like after that was sharecropping. Fine. They learned how to share either. And like, and then maybe you had Toby working with you all that time. Like, fine. But for the last eight years after you married this black woman and you were ostracized from society, like, what have you been? You didn't think in those eight years to learn how to? I just feel like that's a long time. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> oh, so you just, I was like so reading you this. Just didn't even, so, you, so you just thought. You could just you could just not like how hard I just oh okay cool okay cool cool okay that people that. get PhDs in less time like you could just learn Toby seemed to learn like whatever but no please right. keep all the equity anyway so um <laughs> so she's like why are you awful and basically Toby was like everything's been handed to you and you still aren't good at protecting anyone like he was basically and he said this to Huey earlier like your father can't even stand up for this woman who he like moved heaven and hell to like want to be in his life and he can't even like stand up to people and like be like i'm in love with this person i i'm together and everyone's just going to respect that and like he's like that's the kind of man your father is and you're like wow so then later that evening huey uh i guess he's upset but also sad and doesn't know how to process his emotions and he calls toby the n-word and his mom she's like absolutely not and she's like because and it's stated throughout the book at least the first half that we've read that when first of all buck will use the n-word and she's like absolutely not and then she's like and he's like she's like i don't want you using that word in front of him i don't want you to use it and so when she hears him say it, she basically grabs soap and is just going in like rubbing it just like consistently off his tongue until Mm -hmm. like buck is like okay hold on like please you have to let this kid go and that is and you just kind of see that rising tension and that's the end of part one which is up to chapter 18 also these are superficial parts y'all we just break them into two because that's part of the podcast right (laughs) we just keep reading probably should have mentioned that during episode one but you know whatever you know episode 28 i guess (laughs) here we go later yeah so it's true so obviously there's a lot to talk about here so we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we will discuss they come in all colors part one yes season and we're back 
Yes. So I guess to jumpstart our discussion, um, we'll just sort of talk about our general impressions up to this point and then just kind of mm. go from there. I like so, it. So I, so, okay. <laughs> so I think this book has a lot of merits. I think that the fact that Huey is so young provides like a really interesting lens on mm. these events. And I think, um, Akko and I talked about this briefly before we started recording, but I think just showing the day-to-day terrorism that was the civil rights movement, like during these acts, is just, it's really helpful and really important. I think that oftentimes, like, you know, we just kind of, I don't know, it's like this weird lump sum, like, oh yeah, the civil rights era, the civil rights movement, like, it's like this, and and I think also this is too, just like another product of whiteness, like just like this weird watering down of what happened or this kind of like the strange finality to the era as if like somehow like, oh, that was such an exaggerated form of racism, but like we're past that now. And it's like, it's like this weird like Mm. continuity progression narrative that like obviously is incomplete when you look at like how society still was set up like in this day and age. Um, And so I think just seeing that, day-to-day turmoil from Huey's eyes is really interesting and very compelling. I will say that, like, Huey... Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> his Huey... word choice... His word choices make you want to slap him across the face. Like, Huey, I... And, yeah. like, I'm, I'm trying... Like, you know, I... I've been working on me, you know, trying to, you know, <laughs> break cycles. And I'm like, you know, I think... Especially when it comes to raising children, I don't think we necessarily have to, like, hit them and things yeah, like that you I think shouldn't we could be talk hitting to them. kids right like yeah. we could like we could like you know we, we could we could tr- we could talk to kids and like you know like still use discipline and things like that and have respect and all that i don't think we have to you know go into those old cycles but here we be saying some shit where i'm like little girl oh my if God. you do not shut show at when i told was like like it's like it's like when like I don't know. Like at least maybe it's just my experience. Like it's like when your parent, like when you do, we were just wild out in public, and like your parent just like looks at you like through clenched <laughs> teeth. It's like it's like if you don't get your, like I need you, you need to, if you don't sit the fuck <laughs> there, like, like that weird like they start talking through their teeth, and you're like, oh girl, I have literally right. one more chance to fuck up, and if if I not even you're actually like, at negative chances. Like it's like you actually have <laughs> negative chances. It's like it was like oh when I get home, like oh what I t-. it's like it's like yeah I need to get my life together. That doesn't happen to you. Like that doesn't. I mean, aside from the whole like, he never gets got. He never really. His parents don't really get him together, especially his dad. The only time he does is when his dad does not. But remember when we go to Evan's house and not. I mean, it's Evan's house, but it's Toby's house, obviously. But and he's like, I thought that you were the Goldberg song, and and. And he's like, and his mom's like Huey, and then he was like, No, I swear that you had to be the Goldberg son because, is Goldberg Goldboro? What is his name? Gold- I forgot. I honestly forgot. It was it started with some something like that. Gold. We, we just go say Goldbergs and just pray that we're correct. That uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. And yes. he's like, I swear, much like we are, we may be wrong about this name. He, he was was very wrong because Evan is obviously Toby's son. Everyone right. would know, especially Evan. And his right. mother is like, <laughs> right. Huey. Huey, if you do not collect yourself and shut the hell up, you're gonna have a huge problem. Exactly. I think that's like the one notable time, and the soap, and the soap. Right, and so that's the thing, Huey. And I, I think as a literary device, it's actually helpful to have someone who's so hmm. unabashed and so loud and honestly obnoxious. Like Huey's like not the most likable person by any stretch of the imagination. Like he's honestly right. kind of annoying as fuck. And I'm just like honestly, I'd be reading his th- like, but it's like. That I, I think it conveys like 
like an unfiltered child's mm. opinion in a way that I'm like, this is helpful, especially when we're looking at what's happening in Akersburg. Like, I'd rather there be a protagonist like Huey who just says whatever the fuck, even if you're like, girl, shut the fuck up versus, right. you know, it's like someone who's maybe a bit more reserved or like, you know, keeps themselves like their thoughts a bit more internal. And so I think having it be from his lens is really interesting. And also, too, it's so it's so it's fascinating because Huey wants so desperately to like be white and to assimilate into this group and to like have there be space between him and black people. And it's just like, I don't know. I think it's, it's an interesting view on the socialization of whiteness that kind of adds like mm. a, like sort of a nuance to it. Like, I think that we, I don't know. Like, I think we, like, even when we talk about whiteness and racism and stuff like that, like there's, that's a process. Like we, you like you, like one learns whiteness, one learns the culture of whiteness right. and how to like exist in that space. And so it's interesting seeing that happen to Huey, like seeing him, like even for example, like during that sit-in scene when he was like screaming that terrible, like those terrible things at those white people, like, that's something that he was like, mimicking. Exactly. He's mimicking. That's a formative experience. Like if Huey were actually white, like that's a formative experience where it's like, oh, like all the adults in my life are saying these things or like, oh, this is what people like me are doing or saying. And this is what I'm being told. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to I'm gonna just copy it. And it's just like, it's just like an interesting examination right. of how a lot of the hate that we feel is, is recycled. It's like, it's like the, we just right. get it from other people and we just adapt it. And it's like, there's like this weird moral. And internalize it. Exactly. And so it's just like, I, I feel like mm. seeing that happen, but also seeing that process be so interrupted. It's like seeing kegs in a wheel being like, like, like jerking to a stop and like kind right. of continuing and then like jerking again. It's just like, it's like, it's broken because it's not working because like Huey is not allowed to be in this machine, but he like wants so desperately right. to. And so it's such an interesting like, and I know, is I, it like it's he wants to desperately be in it, but I think his even his want to desperately be in it, I feel like is an internalization of his father's want for him to be desperately in it because I agree. But he is harping like because so there's a point where he wants like his friend to teach Huey how to swim. And I think his friend doesn't want to teach Huey how to swim because Huey is mixed. And like he gives him $10 and like he still mm. doesn't do it. And like Buck is really mad. And he's like, I mean, come on, like for Christ's sake, he could have just taught him like blah, 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 blah. And his Huey's mom is like, I can't believe you wasted $10 and paid him up front. Like, I actually can't believe you. We have no money and you don't know how to grow peanuts. So, but, um, <laughs> And it, he, and like, it's just this, like, and he's the one who insists, like, you know, because I'm white, you're white. Like, he doesn't want his son to lose the privilege. And I think right. that is something that you see a lot in white society where, where you're used to having all this privilege. And then someone you love who might not, for whatever reason, maybe genetically, you, you know, had a child with someone else who's not the same privileged class, or you adopted a child or whatever, whatever you did. And you want mm-hmm. that privilege to, um, transmute i guess onto them and you mm. want it desperately but then that's kind of the moment where you realize like the system does not stop for you <laughs> it's it it's a system that you are in anyway sorry i cut you off My no mind. no you're fine and like and, and that's the thing it's just like it's it's interesting because i and like in in some ways you can i find myself in some ways i guess sympathetic towards huey because it's like i mean i could imagine right like if you're someone who i mean Huey does kind of have this sort of like tepid acceptance from Akersburg. I think more so from his dad's location, even than how much he even passes really. But it's like, Mm, if you are a child and you're seeing the day-to-day reality of people that look like Toby, people that look like your mom, et cetera. It's like, if you could choose, obviously you're going to choose the side that's easier. You're going to be like, girl, if I could just pick (laughs) this, I'm not trying to fucking like, you know, be struggling like this. And so it's just like, I, I can see 
why Huey adopts some of the language and some of the mentalities that he does. Um, and it, but it's, it's unfortunate, right? Because it's just like it's like you. It's like, girl, you don't you, you don't even know the beginning, girl. Like right. Your ass doesn't even you, bitch. I can't even begin to explain to you how far off you are right now. But it's like <laughs> from I, right. But it's like it's but it from seeing it from a child's he perspective, can't. it's just like damn. It's like we really like for any for any child, period. Just in this time, it's like we really are like this is how we're teaching them to like relate to other people and like exist in society. Mm. And like this kind of terrorism is so commonplace that it's just like we. Like it leaves kids in a it's weird water. ass motherfucker. It's basically position. water. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with you. And yeah, I was gonna say that it also like I remember while I was reading this, I was like the effectiveness of it having of it being a child is that these are like I think a lot of the ways racism works in America is almost this like double speak, right? So a lot of times Huey's mom and Huey's dad will be talking and they're like, just remember when people get mad, they say really crazy things. They say things they don't mean. And these are mm-hmm. just remember, these are still our friends and these people are still good people. And mm-hmm. it's almost this kind of weird gaslighting. And it it's the kind of gaslighting that, <laughs> yes, sorry, it's not kind of, it is gaslighting. And it's, but it's more than gaslighting in the sense that I feel like Buck, like truly, and even sometimes Huey's mom, which is the part that I'm like, yeah. Yes. Uh, believes these things to be true and maybe it is a matter of this is a water this is water situation or maybe it's i just i it's it's and things are complicated and we can get to that in a second but having it see seeing it from a kid's perspective because as an adult you look at these situations and you're kind of like oh you're lying you know what i mean you're much better at being like this adult is saying one thing but that's a lie or like that's not true like toby fell off a ladder that's just a lie you know what i mean it's a very creepy lie it's very insidious can someone looks you in the face and goes that person just fell off a ladder it's almost like you know like someone being like oh those people just disappeared in a coup like you know that they didn't just disappear you know what i mean you know that someone took them or something happened but as a kid it almost starts to seem like this weird dystopia it becomes very clear how weird this is because then he was like oh yeah you know and then like that's that's just something like that's just something that happened and like he he works the narrative into like his little eight-year-old world and when you're reading him and you're like reading the way he sees it you're like oh no like y'all are creating a very odd picture for him that he mm-hmm. sees as his reality because you guys are telling him like this is the truth but in actuality you're just you're lying but he's living in the lie world you've created it almost felt like a a Ooh. fantasy or a dystopia or a matrix in a weird way and it was oh. very unsettling to me to, to for a kid to be stuck almost in this weird um yeah like hologram world is not but like you know like a world that is created but everyone else is very uh, it's like yeah it's very 1984 right it's, where if you look at it that way right where it's yeah. like this kid is in this like crafted world where all these people are making sure that this world runs a specific way even though it's very artificial and it's 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 more clearly artificial than other uh, you know all, all of society is a construct mm. but this one is very clearly a construct that's almost you can just almost touch past it and things things will happen that just almost pull, pull him 
push him past it but he's like actually i'm just gonna stay inside the matrix so like when he's walking with his dad a kid i think someone drives by and says something wild and he's like i remember seeing his lip it's almost like these are there's just small traumas happening to him all the time he's like i remember seeing his mouth moving and like the vitriol in which he said like he didn't use vitriol because yeah he's like the vitriol in which he said it and he was like yeah and sometimes Derek calls me like this like scrap like whatever haired like, like whatever mixed love child like or something and his dad was like yeah. we'll just cut your hair yeah and then his dad was like oh we'll just cut your hair and then he like t- Huey is trying to be like well I don't really think that's the problem and his dad's like do you want to cut it short like I have this buzz cut and he's like but I feel like it's something else and his dad's like buzz cut we get a buzz cut why don't we talk about this buzz cut some more <laughs> and you're like wow oh it's 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 God. very right it's very creepy and it's it's creepy as an adult but it's 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 when you see someone who's a kid having to navigate it it, it the gravity of and the weight of how creepy it is becomes like very a lot more obvious that is, so i thought that was a really good i'm sorry can i jump in really quickly oh yeah yeah sure. so i oh my god that is I, I love the way you just vocalized that because that is such like I know we've in the past, for example, talked about the intersection of horror and racism. But like as you were talking, that's like all I could think about. And it was just like it's like because yeah. you see how violent and awful Akersburg is. But it's like it's almost like this weird hallucination. It's like it, but it's like a hallucination mm-hmm. that's like made out of paper mache. It's like he's mm-hmm. in it, but it's like the shit is not it's like falling the fuck apart. And so it's like some like. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's like there are these like spectral entrances of the real world, like into Huey's world that are like really scary and like nightmarish because they are because the world is terrible. Um, And he's like, okay, I'm going to try to stay in this bubble. But it's like there are these flashes of what's actually happening. And it's like he can't even necessarily take all of that. Because, yeah, I remember that scene where that person I remember reading it and being like, wait, what just happened? Because it was like someone drove by. It was clearly said something. But Huey just like didn't. He was like, yeah, like I just he looked angry. But, you know, I don't know. And it's like, I think And he then his does dad know. was covering his ears. Right. Yeah. So like, he, he's like, all I could feel is my dad's hands over my ears. Right. And it's like, it's just, yeah, it's so like disconcerting. You know what I mean? It's so mm-hmm. like, um, and it's almost like his dad's want to control this to, 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 to and this is kind of Toby's point too. Like his dad wants so badly for his power, his waning power, to, to to be able to keep everything safe, but while still actually kind of being awful and racist, to be honest, like his dad is with a lot and yes. does a lot of really just shitty things. But like he wants so badly for it to not apply to his son and even his wife. And that control is almost harming his son, right? Like mm-hmm. you took your kid to S&W you kind of knew a sit-in was going to happen. So why did you take him there right before a sit-in? And then you're like, he got away from me and ran into a a, 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 a police. It's like, are you also trying? And, and then it's sort of, you're like, as a kid who doesn't understand this, this makes sense. But then it, it allows you to see just how much privilege creates a world for you that you don't have, where you're almost like a kid, but as an adult. So like, mm-hmm. Buck is an adult. He's 40 three but like toby points out like he doesn't know how to farm he doesn't know how to stand up to his parents he doesn't know how to protect his wife he doesn't know how to protect his kid Mm -hmm. it's like privilege has allowed buck to be essentially eight as well uh, up until this point where he has an eight-year-old that he has to take care of and, and truly doesn't understand how 
to navigate the fact that his son does not have the privileges he has and he cannot force society to give them to him. And in fact, society is not going to give it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was just like a really interesting thing to see. And I, I do wonder like, what is Buck trying to accomplish or what is, and it's, I, I think that's kind of a hard statement to say. I, I think when you parallel this, and this is kind of why I wanted to talk about love at the beginning, because mm-hmm. it's, this isn't this, like interracial couples work have worked i mean if you look at the famous like loving v loving case right like it was a white man and she was mixed black and i believe native american she identified as although like apparently no one wanted to hear how she was native american and she was like sure please erase my heritage you know please america (laughs) once again but um (laughs) (laughs) she did not appreciate it but anyway but this person like literally was like we're not he was like, this is my family. Like, I, I remember watching a documentary about them and people asking him questions and he was like, this is my family. I really don't have any other sentence to give about the fact mm. that this is my family. <laughs> like, right. People would just keep asking me. He was like, I don't have any other son. And there's a point where he like moves with his family to the north. But I think one of their sons gets hit by a car because it's New York and they're playing in the street. And so she, the mom's like, we're going back to the south because I can't oh have my, my kids being hit in this industrial like place. But the point is like like people have fought really hard in relationships that maybe like society would look down on or question or and and f i don't know if buck <laughs> buck kind of fights for it but i don't think he does i think he really just hopes his privilege will just fix everything because right. his wife basically is stuck at home all of the time and cannot go anywhere and it's it's almost like he's like captured her like she's a princess in a castle and he he really really wanted this really beautiful person regardless of the, how terrible it might make her life and, and he got her because he's it, it, there's so there's such an underlying slavery ownership narrative of I can have what I want Oof. that it doesn't really reflect love in my mind. At least I didn't see that. And and, and he doesn't he, he does a little bit like he takes Huey to go see that. Like, look, see, these black boys can swim like they, what they say about black kids not being able to swim is a lie. Like he says things. He's like, people, you know, he's like Toby works hard, but he's inconsistent. Like you can tell he's way he himself is wavering between this hallucination world in the real world and he mm. hoped that like his privilege would allow him to have everything he wanted and this is what i mean again about this sort of racism being a cage like you you can't you also cannot have what you want in a society that is racist like just like you you just can't you can have what society tells you can have and that's you just better hope that's what you want to i guess but in this case it's not and what he does in the face of that it's not that it's disappointing I mean, it is disappointing, but it's more than that. Like, it's just like, damn. That's what I thought anyway. I'm sorry. I just started rambling. No, you were not rambling. All of that was relevant. Thank you for that contribution. <laughs> I No, I honestly, that's such a good point because it's like we, and, and I, I obviously don't want to put anyone on blast. We've talked about this theme sort of personally, like, you know, obviously offline, but I think it really just points to, I don't know, just like the just the cowardice of of a lot of people's quote unquote love, right? It's just like mm. you could ease like I mean, would it be easy to go against the grain in this way? No. Would it be easier for you? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like it's just like Buck is in a position where yeah. it's like you I mean, you could like <laughs> like it's like he's truly in a position where it's like, yeah, like he's only really as you, as I feel like you, you've said it in these words before, but like, he's only really 
as powerful as the power that society gives him, right? And it's just like the mm. idea of having any sort of power that exists outside of that, like outside of what these institutions tell you you are and like that power being predicated on like, you know, the aggressive like withdrawal of power from other groups of people or at least in an institutional mm. sense. It's like that's the only way that Buck knows how to like feel any sense of like confidence in this yeah. world. So in order to be someone to like really be like this is the person that I'm not sure, like, I, I guess they're, I'm not sure. I guess they're husband and wife. Like, I don't, honestly, their relationship, I don't even know. But I don't, like, to, I don't know if they're allowed to be married or at the city. Yeah. It, it could be before loving V loving one. So it could just be straight out, down and out illegal. But it, it, I think that also the city doesn't, they're basically right. allowing it under this facade of like, he knocked her up and he, like under like religion, you should like take responsibility. I don't know. It's like right. very odd. I guess this partnership, let's just um, say that. Um, oh, but yeah, it's like fair. you know, just being like, okay, this is this is my partner, this is my child. Like, right. you, these are the people that I live with. These are the people that I love, and like, I'm not gonna let you, like, like at the baseline, I'm not gonna associate with motherfuckers who like come at us wild right. like this. Like, it's like, like I'm not saying like you know, Buck has to be at the sit-ins with people, but it's just like you. But why like, not? I actually think he should be like I. I mean, I actually think someone. I think I think so too, honestly. But it's just like I, I, I guess in terms of like the initial steps, right? Like I could see like mm. the least baseline movement is you being like, you're not going to talk about my family crazy. You're not going to do X Y Z. Da da da. Like you can, like, but can assert like his love for this group of people. Not to say that it comes with no level of risk, but it certainly is a much lesser level of risk than if like, you know, Huey's mom mm. would do the same thing. And so it's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's like, what is it like to, di- and like, I don't, I, I don't want this to become a weird thing about like, you know, masculinity or anything like that. But I think that it's like, I don't know. I can imagine, especially from Huey's mom's perspective. And I can imagine maybe from Huey's perspective, as he gets older and starts to kind of understand who his dad is. I, and obviously Toby clocked this too. Like, what is it like to be with someone that's such a coward? Like someone that's just like allows their cowardice to like, to impede what love could actually look like in their lives. It's like this kind of relationship with someone could actually benefit your life so much. And like, not in like a transactional sense, but like this could be the kind of like love that really just adds like meanings and layers to one's life. And like, you're choosing this positionality that you have in society over that. And it's just kind of like, right. It's in, you know, a lot of people will make that same choice. I'm not saying that Buck is unique. Right. Right. And like, I think that that's, it's really telling, but it's just like, you really, it it just, again, it just points to the cracks in the system, right? It's like, it's like, whiteness is preventing you, like you are inhibited because of whiteness. Whiteness is telling you that you can't even like be like, it's like, you're not fucking invincible girl. That's not what this is. Like you're also suffering because of this. Like you're not able, like you're, there's so much tension in your relationship right now, both with your, like with your partner and also with your, son or you're gonna lose you're basically gonna lose everything you want because we know that because huey and his mom are in new york not with him so clearly you're about to lose everything you want exactly um and i i I, it's so interesting because there's a point in the story where one huey's mom is like you're gonna hear a lot of things about me being a hoe because apparently the jezebel narrative never dies and he's she's like it's not like i loved your dad so i'm I'm with him like I and Mm -hmm. for her to be so I'm like you can't even (laughs) it must hurt her to love someone who can't even like 
she she like how much courage does Huey's mom have? You know, I mean? like she's mm. left basically her side where her protections are, and she can't go to town. She could if she she could go to town. She could go to the store in the black side of town, couldn't she? Like you know, what I mean, like she's left right. family. Toby is clearly like more than like it becomes clear like family, something close to family. She's she's left her side of town for you, and you can't even stand. And I think that's what Toby's saying. Like you can't even stand up to your parents. This woman has does not go to the store anymore. Everyone right. says like she's the most beautiful girl in town. Like could get dressed up and like really bag anyone in town. She's over here with you, and you can't even. You can't even like you can't do anything like <laughs> it's like how painful is it to love someone who can't even like you, you're like I'm I love you enough to do this like I love you enough to do this and you 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 can't like it's right. harder for Huey's mom she's in far more danger I would think than he is oh and it's so damn, much so that she doesn't absolutely. leave the house right you know like it's it's and I think that's what's so painful to watch and and to sort of watch her kind of. And then, and she asks for small things. Do not use the N word around me and my child. He goes and does it anyway. Like he just, it's just painful to watch him already. And, and also like he pursued her. Like they said he used money. He came around. He was a rat. Like, so it's like you went and disrupted this girl's whole life because you wanted her almost like you just had to have this person, which again, this is what I mean by like this reflecting a lot of just entitlement to a human being. But then Mm. once you had her like had no appreciation for the fact that like this would be Mm. difficult for her. And I I think there's something so fundamentally painful about that for Huey's mom and it reflects in their fights and it reflects in Huey, you know, and it's not in Huey like him as a person. It reflects in like how he sees their relationship because he's clearly aware of the tension in their in the relationship but um and and it's painful i don't think he he even realizes like him being born is what allows this like he is part of what allows this to continue to happen like this love child quote-unquote situation and how painful is that it's just it's oh it's infuriating and 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 (sighs) what's so unfortunate too is that i mean again he was eight you know, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Uh, let, let me not say that. That's ages. Um, uh, like, what's upsetting is that... Is that ages? No, take anything an eight-year-old says with a grain of salt. You can't be taking an eight-year-old seriously. They'll be like, I the mean, moon is made out of cheese. No, it's like, okay, kid, it's not. It's like, okay, maybe not that. But like, you know, just like, you know, his perspective. I'm like, okay, still valuable. I think that right. like, for example, like Huey always sides with his dad. It's the thing. And like... That's you true. You see how, in the, this doesn't end in Akersburg. In New York City, you see this as well. Like, there's like yeah. a lack of acknowledgement of yeah. how much Huey's mom does and like how much she has sacrificed and like how much yeah. like she it's puts painful. in. And it's just like he is always like he'll just sit with his dad like just like out the gate just immediately like he's just like yeah like you know mom's just like we just had to get out the house because you know mom is just so annoying like oh my god like she just you know you know how she gets and i'm just like this is so i it like makes me want to throw up like i'm just like yeah she it's painful like she like sacrificed so much for well i gotta calm down i'm like like like, this is fiction this is fiction i gotta remind myself it's fiction but wow, the way like like that replicates real life. Like, god damn. Like it's yeah. just like you really just like like the book ain't even from her perspective, and I know she putting in work. Like, stop it. Right. Like, right. <laughs> bro, like she's just asking you not to say the N-word around 
her child and you're just over here just doing it anyway like you're you're so attached to your privilege that you have to like hang out with these like white supremacists to be like oh hey girl like still one of y'all like still you know like one of the whites and like to the point where you're telling your own son to walk what like an hour home just so like he does and like and you know like you know like this is the same town that you have to literally shield your child's ears from because they were screaming slur to him like why would you think it's a good idea to be like yeah girl be eight years old and walk by yourself an hour to get home like have right. you lost your mind like i right and oh I'm my like, god point, just don't marry this woman like i'm sorry like thank you i'm sorry like i actually like i'm just like you if you i i i don't know why but i was just like you really i can't i cannot say this person loves this person because i'm just like you have absolutely no interest in what would make her life better you just want to have her and and right. that doesn't feel like love to me it, it's really hard to to it, it it makes it's really oh i didn't even tell like my overall thoughts but i i think this book is really well written i do wish he would cut down on some of the, the derogatory language because it's like yeah it's um, a, lot, a lot sometimes but i guess it, as it's texture but it's, mark? <laughs> i don't know well <laughs> i think it's also <laughs> texture yeah but i i think it is this is like from a 1968 perspective i don't think anyone was particularly cautious with the word choice in 1960 whatever were, but um so. right so i think there's that element to it but i i do think it's well one i think it's well written i think it's well framed i think it, it paces well i think it's it's actually a really interesting thing to talk about and i really like what you're seeing here is is a, a shift right it, it, the same way you saw a shift in power after the civil war and you'll see like a streetcar named desire which is um a movie with um uh, oh my god, my brain's blanking. It doesn't matter. Wait, is it Marlon Brando? Marlon Brando. There we go. Yes! Hey! Look at you! Look at okay. me! <laughs> <laughs> it, and it really subtly talks about this because there's a loss in this like old world um, plantation money, right? Because the South basically burned. I think there's someone's what campaign to the sea. I forgot who it was, but they basically burned through Georgia um, mm-hmm. and most of the South. Um, and so there's a lot of wealth loss. And so there was this old... <sighs> I'm not going to say regal because I wasn't regal to have slaves, but it was this old sort of timey. They, they had this kind of concept of high society or whatever that's completely like devastated. Right. And you kind of see that in Buck, his last like Buck Fairchild. And I think even mm. Huey says his name Huey Fairchild the first or something like that. This old like regality of of the plantation times, like, but now mm. without the economic power of that time. and And so you see like, it, uh, basically what you're seeing is the end of an empire and this is like the very last moment of the empire now granted again like the the, the mass incarceration redlining all that continues past this era but it, mm. it, of it being of it being a codified legal dynasty this is like the moment in which it's in flux and that's where you see the amount of rage coming out but you also see the remnants of that dynasty there. And that's why it's so interesting to be like Toby's mm. great grandfather was a slave. Then he was a sheriff. Then his family was sharecroppers. Then he works for him. And that moment where him and Buck are fighting, there's a moment where Buck's like, you like, he was like, black people always serve white people. Just look at the history. Like he is claiming all history of this dynasty that he can possibly imagine because it is the end of this dynasty. Like it is, it is crumbling. His dynasty is, is crumbling. And it's, it's so interesting because probably when, when, um, Huey's mom married Buck. It probably that dynasty. I don't think they thought this was going to end, and so 
there's a shift here because probably she was like, well, this is just how life is. And this is better than most lives. And my son will have a better life than most in this dynasty of the Jim Crow post-Civil War South. But now something has shifted. And she's like, this isn't the way I have to live anymore. Like, I can be free of this. And it's so interesting to see that intersect with the Great Migration up north. This is like a really interesting slice of life of an era, right? Because she talks about the Great Migration. She's like, you know, like everyone talked about moving up north and the Great Migration. I just wanted to see like what that was like. But of course, she's coming at the tail end of the Great Migration, right? You're about to hit when all the manufacturing, the 70s, the late 60s actually to the 70s, a lot of manufacturing leaves. And so a lot of black Americans who moved up to the north during like the Mm -hmm. 1930s up until that point and actually got a lot of wealth creation the manufacturing leaves and it's then you get the first fi- hired first fired rule and then a bunch and you know the the, the non-integrated unions and then a bunch of black americans lose their, lose their job and i think you hit the next you know period which you, i'd say is like the 1980s up until today and probably continuing mm-hmm. of this sort of like economic disparity um because actually economic disparity before integration it's actually wild black people are actually doing a lot better anyway mm-hmm. that's not the point but um just watching that his that dynastic switch is very interesting and in how people deal with that flux in power and how and you their vitriol is the loss of power that's very quickly happening and mm. and these children who are protesting are, are to them the side of it right and it's it's so interesting to 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 read that from a slice of life perspective and i i hope people read the book to see how human this situation is for for people to live through Um, I I really liked that part of the story. Now, could I be reading too far into it? Yes, that's highly possible. (laughs) That's what I gleaned from the book. (laughs) Um, No, that I I agree, and yeah, I think that it's it's like (laughs) I guess I'm used to very like almost like I guess like more peaceful slice of life. So like like you know, it's not necessarily. Like, this book isn't super action-driven. A lot of it is just kind of, like, seeing Huey's thoughts and all of that, um, despite how annoying as fuck they are, like, a lot of the time. <laughs> um, but ultimately, just, like, knowing <laughs> that all of this is going on in the background, I think it, it's it's really... I think also just, like, kind of speaks to the storytelling as well, because it's, like, you know, w- when we talk about these eras, right? Like, I mean, when we look back in history, it's easy to kind of clump everything together and make it seem like, oh, like, this was, like, that time. But it's not right. like you were, like, alive walking around in, like, you know, 1965. You knew. It's not like there was, like, a sign that was, like, civil rights movement happening. It's, like, it's like you're right. just living your fucking life. And it's just, like, happening yep. while you're alive. And it's, like, you see that same interaction here where it's, like, he was, like, just living his life. And it's, like, these weird things start to happen. And he's, like, kind of just witnessing different things. He can't necessarily, there's not really language for it at the moment. Mm. Or, at least for him, that, or at least that he has access to. But it's just, like, it's just kind of happening in the backdrop. And I think that's what makes it kind of going on the spookiness like like that's what makes it more yeah terrifying creepy. like when they there was like yeah creepy like there was like when they went to um what's his name the the guy who had the the black man that had the business that burned or like that was burned down sorry oh I should say goldsboro mr. but let's just call him mr gold so like they were at mr gold's like house and then at one point like the um some people ro- like rolled in unclear who they were but they were armed and they were like where's evan blah 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 yeah blah. And then they were like, Miss, like at that point, Huey's dad grabbed Huey and they ran like hella far into the woods without stopping, like shook. And all they saw yeah. in the distance was like Mr. Gold being like approached by these guys like with weapons and he's like, yeah. like pleading. And it's like, it's like a really, 
terrifying scene, but it wasn't, that's the yeah. thing. It wasn't even necessarily, it wasn't like even center stage like that. Like the next chapter, they just kind of kept it pushing. And it's not to say that it was insignificant, right. but it's just like, there is these like, it's like, it's like you're painting a picture of someone smiling and in the backdrop, it's just like fucking like, it's just all the violence you can yeah. ever imagine. Like the worst possible It's like a, it's the, like, this is America song, right? Exactly. It's, it's, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's terrifying in like a, like this contrast is like, really yeah. freaking me the fuck out like if Huey at least yeah. recognized what was going on I feel like I would feel more comfortable weirdly but like since he does it I'm like it makes me yeah it's 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 like almost a horror in this weird way like I'm like I'm like weirdly yeah. scared as I talk about it because like the image it brings up is just so like oh my god like anything can fucking happen right. at this point <sighs> right right and I yeah. think that's what people to your point Marcy is exactly what people forget when they forget what black Americans are dealing with in the Jim Crow South in not just the Jim Crow South, but in the North in America during this time period, everyone like washes over it with this MLK and marches for freedom. There is an underlying terror and not just for adults for again, mostly for children, people who right. are from the ages of 12 to 21. And What's so interesting is that there's a very strong use of dramatic irony in the story. Oh, look at that. Look at that. everyone. Anyone who makes you read this for school, throw that in there. It's actually a beautiful use of dramatic irony. But right, because we know what we know two things. One, we know that Huey and his mom leave. So we're really we know something that the story is just unraveling to us mm-hmm. um, that he, little Huey doesn't know. Right. We know that he's not going to be there when by the time he's 13. For some right. reason, for somehow he won't be there. And we mm-hmm. also know that the civil rights movement will end in the emancipation of black people and the right to vote and equal rights. Mm-hmm. I say emancipation, but I, I understand that the civil right, the civil war is emancipation, but I mean like a second emancipation. Right. Um, but, um, but the thing is the white people don't know that either. <laughs> so you're reading it from their perspective and the vitriol they have, you start to realize it's because they think they can stop this from happening. Like mm. they think they can stop if they're angry enough and, 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 and mean enough, they can stop in their, in their, the, 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 the anger that they're putting for it. You're like, why are you doing this? And it's like, because they're like, if I hold on to this tight enough, like I can stop sand from slipping through my fingers. And you're like, that is impossible. And so that's an interesting thing to read and watch at the same time. Um, and it parallels the present in a way that is just like too uncomfortable for me to talk about right now. <laughs> no, I, I agree. But let's, let's keep it in, in the past. Um, do you want to do It's here, but me and Marcy are trying to live. Right. <laughs> do we want to do... <laughs> predictions of what's going to happen next? Well, I guess it's, it's oh, kind of cheating in this game, in this book. So I don't know if it's even. Really <laughs> I think though. that the civil rights movement's gonna—it's <laughs> really gonna lead to some change. <laughs> do <Right>. you? <laughs> Calling it Jim Crow ends. I guess. Anyways, I guess. Sorry. How do you think they're gonna move? Is I think a better question. I think. Uh, I think Huey's gonna be put in like a, some type of very dangerous situation, something that's too dangerous for his mom to allow and i think buck is gonna do something that betrays her either pun on a kkk mask or do something where she's standing there in front of him and he's done something buck wild not to be funny right and she's gonna be like no i funny enough i I, that was actually exactly what i was going to say i was gonna say i think that there's gonna be something that is so because there's a lot of like 
you know, trying to smear the truth, trying to cover it up, all of that. I think there's just going to be something that's so inescapably honest of the time and like the safety that they or the lack thereof, I should say, that they are experiencing in this place that like Huey's mom is going to just be like, bro, like we, we got to get the fuck. Like we can't even like, like also I'm like in the middle of the night shit, like some like we are yeah. escaping right now. Like we're not, it's not a peaceful yeah. transition to New York City. I, would I agree with you. And I don't think Huey's going to know what it is. I think his mother is going to, tr- and that's why she's so annoyed in New York about how he takes her for granted. I think it's something that she knows and he doesn't. And it's probably like, I don't want you to know this about your father. And is like, but we're leaving. Because mm. uh, if he knew, I feel like he would, he's still kind of a jerk at 14. And I just feel like he doesn't know. <laughs> I, or like, I feel like he would fight to stay. And then it's just like, okay, like we kind of have to, li- yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, in the present day... Oh, that's Huey a good point. Huey doesn't really talk about his dad. So I actually don't really know how he feels about him at this point. So like, maybe he does like, know. That's a maybe. good point. And, you know, to be fair, you're right. Because there is a point where everyone's, like, talking around Hugh. And he's like, wait, I actually know everything that's happening. And he just, like, goes on this, like, long-ass, like, reveal that, like, you're like, wow, talk about an exposition dump. But, like, <laughs> literally, it was like, here's everything that I know so far. And you're like, right. oh, wow, Huey knows everything. He also is playing this sort of double co- i don't want to use double consciousness because that's an actual term but like this sort of you know like he's also hiding hiding the ball from everyone right. so mm. so you're and maybe himself so maybe he does know that's a good point marcy yeah anyway yeah. so wow. that's the delightful they come in all <laughs> colors yes i'm actually after this discussion i'm actually really excited to see how this excited in a weird way um i don't know what this is not like happy i'm like yeah like i'm not like necessarily happy about intrigued it, i'm curious i'm very curious to see how it's going to end because there's some shit where i'm like oh girl like you the, busting at the motherfucking seams girl like this shit is not right it's about to spill over so yes yeah, so Anywho, for our usual spiel, as we mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, you know, we're doing our 25 rates and reviews. If we reach 25 rates Woo. and reviews on Apple Podcasts, we'll be releasing episode zero, Octavia Butler's Book of Martha, which is the first ever video, or not video, sorry, the first ever podcast episode <laughs> we ever recorded. So, yes, yeah. yeah, so go on uh, so go on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts and, you know, leave us a rating and review. Tell us what you think. Also, feel free to get in touch with us through our email at thesecolorpages at gmail.com. We have a Twitter as well at mm. the colored pages that we're actually using now. Like I know we're being like hella fake, but we're actually posting and like being cute. Like we're allergic to social media, so we're trying and we're making it. We're it's it's cute. It's cute. At you, at you. I'm still sneezing. <laughs> <laughs> and as well as we have a website at thesecoloredpages.com. Um, yes. Yeah, I. Th- think that's pretty much it yeah very excited to see what happens in part two we'll be back soon obviously aqua is there anything we should leave our listeners with before we head out oh marcy i feel like that transition was so smooth oh, <laughs> oh my god like butter just like butter <laughs> <laughs> um, but no i don't think we have anything else so until we see y'all again just remember to Stay Stay colorful. colorful!